Welcome to In Conversation with Kathleen. I'm Kathleen Kettles. I'm a psychotherapist and I love people and their stories. In each episode, I'll be speaking with a guest about what the word success means to them. And at the end of each interview, I'll be discussing the episode with co-creator and editor, Remy. Thanks for tuning in. Well, today... I'm speaking to Graham Simpson or Cramond, actually. Well, you know me as Graham Simpson. Yeah, I do. Because we're, we were both in Kelly Muir when we were children, and that's when we first met. But yeah. then I became an, a silly actor, and so I changed my name to Cramond. Looking through my family history, I found a Cramond, and I thought, that's quite nice. Oh, lovely. Do you know, I always thought it was because you went to Edinburgh and it was related to Cramond Hill. No, Cramond Isle. I looked through my family tree and I asked people what they thought. And there was a Graham Gleeson that was in my family tree or Cramond. And most people thought Cramond sounded better because I was Scottish. So when was it that we first met, Graham? Do you remember? Oh. If you're going to ask me dates, Kathleen, I don't have any idea. I mean, uh, I think I think we met together because your mother and father were involved with Thrums Dramatic Club in Kirimuir. And I think I was 16, 17, perhaps, okay. maybe something like that. Yeah, a long, long time. A long time ago. I think I was about 13 or 14 when we met. You were much younger than that. So that's a long time ago. So we're going to talk a little bit today about success and what it means to you. And that's the main theme of this podcast, finding out what that means, you know, because it can mean so much to so many people, lifestyle, health, career, financial, all sorts of things. So what does the word success mean to you? Well, I, I, I was thinking about this and I can't say that I have found success. I don't know what you describe success as, if it's anything to do with wealth and getting on in life and becoming fantastic and everything. I define success as finding contentment um, and, and peace, I think. And if that's what success is, then I found it yonks ago. Brilliant. I love that answer. And today, before this, this call today, I was thinking about my feelings about success. And I'm absolutely with you. I think if people were more honest with themselves, they would realize that without peace, there is nothing. How can anyone feel good if they, if they have not got peace? Yep. Yeah. And I think contentment, if you're content with your lot, you've actually found, do you know what? This is just really nice. Everything is really nice. So I think I found that years ago, yeah. That's so I, therefore, I have been very successful in my life because yeah. I found it earlier on. Great. Yeah. And that's quite unusual, isn't it, really? Um, because so often people are striving for something. It could be the lifestyle, the career, the financial security, relationship, status, whatever. But for you yeah. to say, I found it years ago... That's impressive. Can you tell me how you did that? How you how you found peace? How did I find peace? Well, I mean, I, I think I need to go back to to probably what was preventing me from finding it, I would think. And this will connect back to Kerry Muir, where 
my problem, I think, when I was a child was I was painfully, painfully shy. I know you think that's really surprising the way I talk now and, and what you've always known from me, but it was getting around that shyness and it was discovering drama uh, and going on stage. Mm. I used to stay up the Brecon Road where our headmaster used to live uh, at school, at Webster's High School. And he was a, well, I suppose when you're young, he seemed a big, grotesque, horrible person, but I'm sure he wasn't. But I do remember going to school and he would pass me every day. And if I saw him, I would coody doon. Um, very shy and, and not pretend that I hadn't seen him. And then one day he said to me, Simpson, why do you not say good morning? And I went, oh, gosh. Anyway, so I had to sort of make an effort and say good morning to him every morning, which was awful. But I just pretended in an inner dialogue that I was confident and I would look at my head and I would say good morning. And therefore I thought, well, if I can do that with one person, Maybe I could just pretend to be other people. So I suppose drama and pretending to be different people give me the confidence. When I first started at the Thrums Dramatic Club, I pretended to be whatever character I was, and I got laughs. And I wasn't that shy, awkward boy who got bullied. I was actually this other person who got applause and and laudits and people said you were very good and and to hear laughter was just fantastic so this gave me confidence in life and then when I went to college then I mean I just pretended I was this confident person that went to college and I would change clothes in the bus and when I went to college in Dundee from Killymuir, and I went every day on the bus and I would when I got to Dundee I would go into the toilet and change outfits into this wacky fashionable person and then change back on the way home and just pretended that I was this other person and therefore I got confidence. Right can I ask you something Graham because with my therapeutic hat on I'm thinking gosh having to step into this other person and to be this other person that can actually work both ways obviously it really worked for you at that time but mm -hmm. that can be quite exhausting and can create a problem for the person who doesn't really know who they are. They kind of get stuck in this limbo land of, hang on, I'm, I'm the Graham Simpson when I'm at home in Kerrymuir that's this way. And then when I'm out on the bus and away to Dundee and away from that, that atmosphere and environment, I can step into this confident, different person. So do you see what I mean? It's a, It can be quite... A, a wobbly foundation for some people when they do that. Yes, I definitely was a split personality, but in my head I could control, I knew what one was what. As it went on, it eventually merged into the one person. And I think we all have different personalities in our head. We all have inner dialogues. Well, I have all my life, uh, all the time, uh, chastise myself, make sure that um, I treat myself, uh, all these things, um, these little voices. And Sometimes they can be bad voices, but other times they can be very positive voices. So to me, these voices became the one person I just consider it to be quite normal. And they've got me through. 
Brilliant. I absolutely love that, Graham. Honestly, that is such a great explanation. And too often people think they can't talk about that inner dialogue, you know, and it can be hugely supportive. But the inner dialogue often gets a bad rap because people think it's that condemning, criticising, put down. But in your case, you're saying it was about confidence. It was about recognising who I could be. And I didn't have to be this wee shy boy cooing down when he saw the headmaster. I mean, that's fantastic. Well, I have another question for you there. What would you say the biggest obstacle was for you to overcome on this quest to be happy and confident and this new version of yourself? I think it was time. It took, yes, it took a lot of time for it all to sort of, I don't know, just to become me, who who I was going to become. I was young. You, you need to grow. You need to learn experiences. I mean, people get hurt in life. You have to go over these, but you learn. There's nothing wrong with uh, going down into a black hole because I've done it before, but you always come out somewhere. Um, so I suppose the biggest obstacle would be time. To finish that off with the headmaster is... Throughout time, I became more confident than he did. And when I met him in the street and went, good morning, Mr. What was his name? Elder, Mr. Elder. Good morning, Mr. Elder. I would say with this huge confidence because of my drama training. And it was him that, that then was a bit, oh, a bit shy and a wow. bit dreaded more meeting me than the other way around then I suppose that was my intention to do that and if anyone gets me down and there's anything like that I will do a similar thing brilliant so it's that kind of show them your confidence kill them with kindness and you can turn anything around yeah I think I do a lot with words with people particularly working because I work um, at the theatre I've always been a people person. I like people. And when people are nice, there's nothing better than having a joke and a laugh and whatever. But then you get the other ones who I'll put them down with, like Mr. Elder. I think this is really powerful message you're giving people because when people do hit rock bottom, they can often feel that's it. That's as good as it's going to get. And it's difficult to imagine coming out of that. But you were obviously able to recognise that the internal dialogue was a positive thing and also you were able to quieten or silence the self-doubt as a young man. Uh, I think everyone has self-doubt. You wouldn't be human without self-doubt. I I mean, I still go through life now thinking um, I'm failing at everything. I have terrible self-doubt. But I think also I think that's normal. I mean, I'm an actor and I look at a script and I go, I can never do that. Every, I was a way to swear there, but I mustn't do that. Every (laughs) time my partner, Mike, would say to me, oh, for God's sake, this happens every time. And I go, no, but this one's different. And it's not different. It's just the same thing. Uh, I think as you get older, your self-doubt increases. Um, I, I do tours at the Festival Theatre, and in the, just before I start these tours, I, I, which is just like another acting job, really, um, I have self-doubt before I open my mouth. And then once I start, you think, what was all that about, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, but I think that's quite common with everyone. So that I'm interested in what you said there about youth, think that self-doubt gets worse as you get older do you think that's because 
as we get older and further away from the youthful, energetic version of ourselves that we were, we feel that we could be overtaken by somebody else. We might have lost our thing that got us the job in the first place. What do you think that self-doubt's about? It could be because, yes, that you're not on trend or the way you think is not what young people would be thinking and you're maybe a bit old fuddy-duddy and old-fashioned. But then as you go on and you still get people asking the same questions that you've always had or they get excited about what you're talking about, you realise, do you know, Graham, you're not an old fuddy-duddy. They really are quite interested in what you're talking about. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because with age, you become, you, you become more experienced, you become a wealth of knowledge on your subject. You know, I think it's it's a fascinating thing that we try to trip ourselves up somehow by believing that we're not going to be good enough or on trend or whatever. And it's a bit of the imposter syndrome that most people have. You know, I'm going to be found out as being not as good as I think I am or that that person thinks I am but this is really fascinating because even when you mentioned Mike saying to you oh every time we get the same thing when you have a new script or a new bit to learn I'm not going to be able to do it do you think there's a way of changing that inner dialogue that puts you in that state of you know fear and panic if there was I would like to know what it was because (laughs) I would be using it I'm afraid I don't use it it just seems to be a repetitive repetitive journey that I go through. I always cope with it. There we go. Yeah, no, I, I wonder if there's comfort in the familiarity of those nerves. So sometimes when we do something for long enough, even when it doesn't really serve us, we can get comfort from that and have a sort of, this is what I do before I reach the point of being really good at the thing I'm about to, to do. I wish um, that the, it was a shorter process um, because I do know that I can look at a script for about a week and nothing seems to happen. I, I can't remember any of it. And then after that, it seems to start going in. Now, I should know after a week, that's fine. This is what's going on. I'm worrying. About, it's because I'm over worrying about it and you will relax. But at the time... It doesn't seem to make any difference. Yeah, it's yeah. funny how the brain works. I know. And, I, you know, when you go right back to the beginning of our chat just now and we talked, you talked about success being contentment and peace. So would you say that once you've let that week go by when it's in relation to a new script, you do then have peace, at least, with what you're about to do? Well, uh, just uh, uh, I enjoy it more, yeah. And, of course, if you're enjoying something more, it's easier and you learn it very well. I've just always done that, um, Kathleen, throughout my life, and I just have to accept it. Um, But it's difficult to accept it when you're going through the annoying time of, oh, this is just not working, help, panic, or just stop it. And you have a word with yourself, your inner dialogue, and it's just a repetitive process. There we go. Brilliant. I like that. So if you were witnessing a young person who reminded you of yourself, you know, a shy person, somebody who was a bit withdrawn and they were just getting into the local drama group or starting college, what would you say to them? What bit of advice would you give them? Bearing in mind that when you're in it, and I know you said time is the only thing, but Mm -hmm. when you're in it, you can't even really 
think about time because you're in that moment feeling really rubbish. So is there anything else you, you could think of that you could say to somebody to help them? Well, I'd probably say to them, don't worry so much. Um, no one really cares. Um, it's not as huge and massive as you actually think in your head. And really um, stop thinking about what other people think. It doesn't matter. This is a bit like, I must confess, this is like a bit like a RuPaul question. You know, they always say near the end of it, if you were to talk to your younger self, what advice would you give your younger yeah. self? And that would be the advice I would give to myself is stop being so stupid and stop being so melodramatic and over the top. It It is absolutely nothing. That's what I would try and say. But, of course, at the time, no, 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 no. I think everyone makes something, or I don't suppose everyone makes, but I tend to make things much bigger than they really are. And Mike, my partner, um, would just... <laughs> he would just go, oh, sigh. <laughs> before. <laughs> now tell me about him then. So is he somebody who is a really good anchor for you then and has been over the years? Uh, he's completely unhelpful, um, <laughs> but I suppose he is a constant anchor. It is nice to have someone there that is just the same and doesn't change. Mm. He doesn't help in any way. He's absolutely crap at doing lines. Uh, I used to have a lovely neighbour called Cindy. I think you met her. I did, actually, once, yeah. And uh, she would go through everything and calm me down. But I don't have anyone now, so I just have to get on with it with myself. There was uh, that uh, moment for you to let Mike shine. <laughs> I have let Mike shine, but he doesn't shine very bright. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike, if you're listening to this. I did try. <laughs> <laughs> I and love that. Love. He loved you and Dougie and Kathleen and everyone. You two have been together a very long time, haven't you? Uh, yes. I mean, I think I was, Mike is good at dates, but I think I was 19 or 20 when I first met him. Yeah. And I'm now 62, so. Wow. Anyway. It is interesting too, though, you know, I'm thinking about when I first met you and I've got a picture of you at the house and I've got on my um lovely, highly flammable dressing gown that I got for Christmas, brand new. <laughs> and we're all standing at the door. And I think it must have been like coming up to between Christmas and New Year and you'd come around. And I remember just loving being around you, your energy, your kindness, your humour. Even as an eight or nine year old girl, I thought, I like him and I have never stopped liking you. And I've not been to enough of your shows. I've been to several, but not enough. But I always have such a warm and loving feeling towards you, Graham. And this has been a really good chat. I just wanted to check in now if you have anything on the go at the moment, work-wise, what's happening for you? So the next thing will be uh, panto, because it's panto season. So I'm in Musselburgh doing Sinbad the Sailor. That should be fun. I'm getting a bit old now to be a dame wandering about in women's clothes. Uh, I think it's about time I stop, but they keep asking me back stupidly. I don't know why. I can't imagine anyone else doing that, though. I'm full of arthritis now, and it, oh, it's just... Do you know, I don't know how you feel, but I feel that I'm in the wrong body now because my brain is still, I'm 21, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but my body is like 89. <laughs> oh, dear. 
And I just sort of want to trade the body in for a new one that would fit my brain better. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't we all? It is funny, you know. I, I I don't have bad arthritis, but I do have some arthritis. And uh, I know some mornings when I get out of bed, I think, "Hang on, this can't be right." And like you, it's like I don't think of myself as twenty-one. I think of myself as twenty-seven always. Oh, 27. 27. It feels like I'm not as immature, but not just quite mature yet. So 27 is the age I've always felt I was, probably even when I was 16, quite honestly. Yeah, and, and I keep thinking, when am I going to actually get a real proper job? That's my thing. I wonder what I'll do when I grow up. I still say that. So that has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed that. I think your interview has been and will be so helpful to many people because success has got such a bad rap in modern times. You know, success meaning about, oh, I've got to have money. I've got to be Insta famous or, um, you know, have millions of followers. It it is, is just so trivial and transient so if you if you have peace and contentment which is what you started off talking about that is 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 so valuable and that was lovely hearing how you dealt with that shyness as a young boy and and how drama and theater brought you to the person you are today fantastic yeah. uh, yes um money has never interested me fame has never interested me um it, it's just contentment and you know, feeling loved by friends, family, and just being content is definitely the thing to get. And I found it. I found it a long time ago. Yeah. And that's why I'm happy most of the time. Oh, yeah. Graham, that's brilliant. That's that's so good. Well, keep on being happy and content. And well, I'll keep... try. <laughs> yeah. Even though your body feels like it's 90, yeah. <laughs> just keep on moving. It'll all be good. Thank you so much. And uh, so oh, when people want to come and see you in Panto, how do they go about getting tickets for the Muscleborough show? Google Muscleborough Theatre. All the dates and everything will be there. Right. Okay, well, that's right. We'll put that on the show notes at the end so people can oh, find out how to find you and how to come and, and watch you in Panto. And I can highly recommend the experience. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so oh. much, Graham. Well, that was great. I love yeah. talking to Graham. Um, I haven't spoken to him properly for, gosh, it must be about four or five years. But yeah, that was just a wonderful conversation and it is interesting to hear his memories of how he was when he said um, I was this shy painfully shy person who cooried down which is a Scottish expression for make yourself small and invisible I suppose but cooried down can also be comforting as well in a way if it's the winter time you can cooey in for the night and that's like throwing a blanket over yourself anyway I digress yeah he cooried down made himself small so he didn't have to speak and yet my memory of him as an eight-year-old when he was 16 I think he said quite different to me very different I I saw this man and it did seem like a man to me because I was just a child who was funny loving confident he had a warmth the like of which is is rare in in my opinion growing up he was the warmest person I remember being around and if ever mum said oh and Graham's in the show this year, or Graham's doing the show. I just go, oh, that's nice. And I knew we'd get to see him more if he was, you know, maybe they'd practice lines together, or maybe he'd just come around one when there was a party on or something. But I always loved being around Graham. Hearing him talk in this way 
now that we're both fully grown adults, <laughs> it was just really good to hear that he has found contentment and peace. And he's found it, and that's his success, and he's felt successful in that way for a very, very, very long time. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I thought it was great as well. And it was interesting that he he's an actor, and often I think in the creative arts, it can be hard to find that peace and contentment. And I think that's something that people often struggle with because you're always kind of striving for the next thing and, um, you know, when's the big break going to be and all that. And so it was really refreshing to hear that he, yeah, that he felt like he'd found peace. And I did think that we needed to define what curry down mean meant because it's actually a phrase that I haven't heard for a while so I'm gonna give it a go it's sort of making yourself small and yeah co- cozying in and in, in the context that Graham was using it he curried down or he curried down as they say in that he saw the headmaster and he made himself smaller but curry down in the winter you curry down and that just means for me it means sitting on the sofa with a blanket on, the fire on, reading a book or watching a Netflix film. I'm Kuri Dune then, but I'm not shy or, or awkward. I'm just Kuri Dune. <laughs> yeah. I thought as well, it was really interesting. I wasn't what I was expecting, really. I didn't have many expectations, but it was just a beautiful image, really. Like it was sort of sad in a way that he was so shy, but the fact that he sort of used his skills, the drama skills that he'd learned and, you know, in, in future as an actor, kind of used that as almost like a way of generating positive self-talk which I think we talk about you probably talk about it in your work and mm-hmm. um you know that inner dialogue that he spoke about that's the kind of inner critic isn't it of like keeping you down and things but he sort of changed that narrative which I think is really important and pro- hopefully something that people can take away from this is that you can change that inner dialogue you can change that inner voice just by countering it with something else and it's a great sort of visual way of imagining how that can help you yeah because when he's talked about you know being on the bus going to Dundee and getting changed and then becoming and stepping into this other version of himself my fear would be for somebody else that oh you know the fake it till you make it thing is not always that helpful you know because it can really leave people feeling quite depressed and down and stuff but even with that Graham used it as a positive and he said oh I've definitely been low I've definitely had low times but then you you come up to a point a different point and I just love the positivity of even when you've burned out or a bit depressed or there's still a recovery point that is possible and that level of optimism is fantastic to hear and you know hearing him talk like that about his life and what success means to him makes me realise why that little girl, aged eight, loved him. Because I must have felt that. I must have felt that confidence, non-verbal cues from him, probably, that made me feel like just safe. And could he do Yeah, no, it was really lovely. It's a really wholesome conversation. Wasn't it was, it? wasn't it? It was really, really good. I loved it. Thanks for listening to In Conversation with Kathleen. I really hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy making these episodes. In the hope that someone else benefits from listening to the show, please like, subscribe and share. I look forward to seeing you again next time. Thanks for listening.